That's what she said is fueled by Gatorade, Gatorade's proven formula. Whatever path you take, greatness starts with G. The annual NBA on Christmas Day tradition continues with five of the best gifts anyone could ask for. The star-studded schedule starts at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on ESPN, with the Hawks taking on the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Then over on ABC, the Celtics square off against the Bucks, followed by the Suns hosting the Warriors. Then on ABC and ESPN, the Nets battle the Lakers, with the day capped off by the Mavs clashing with the Jazz at 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific on ESPN. What a Christmas Day NBA lineup. Welcome to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain, a podcast about, well, whatever the hell I want. Actors and musicians, athletes, comedians, neuroscientists, wine experts. If I find somebody interesting, I'm bringing them to you. We'll talk about how they became who they are, how they found success, battled failures, and how they ended up here talking to me. I'm Sarah Spain, and my dilemma is not enough restaurants serve stew. Well, Sarah, you are clearly very smart. A possibly genius level. I don't know. I'd I'd have to do some tests, but clearly brilliant. And you are absolutely 100% totally right to be practically irate about the limited stew options that exist for stew lovers like yourself and myself, us. It's bad enough that not enough places offer a good soup or two, but stew? Damn near impossible to find. And stew is magical. And while it's not, you know, Julia Child souffle kind of tough, Probably more like the relatively easy Julia Child beef bourguignon kind of tough, but still tough to make. Lots of ingredients, lots of chopping, very slow process, takes forever. Speaking of beef, by the way, when restaurants do deign to offer us a stew, it's almost always beef stew, which, yeah, I used to love and it is delicious, but I'm a damn vegetarian. As are you, Sarah. So, you know, why not a chickpea stew or, you know, a West African peanut stew? I'm sorry I don't have a solution for you, Sarah. I will simply join you in stewing over stew. That's what she said. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the annual That's What She Said Festivus pod. Festivus is back! Once again, featuring sports grievances from folks around the sports world, friends of the podcast, and once again, featuring a reading of my Twas the Night Before Christmas holiday poem. And that shit takes forever to write, so please listen to it. Enjoy the clever wordplay. Soak in all the creative twists. You can also read the poem, written version, and watch the video version coming soon on ESPN.com. I'll also put the video on my social feeds as well. And whether you're like me and you've got, you know, the fully decorated house, lots of holiday traditions, a constant playlist of holiday tunes running through your head, or if the holiday is sort of tough for you and you don't love it, I I hope today's podcast brings you a smile. It is a combo festivus. Christmas delight. And I I get that it's been tough, even in non-COVID years for some people during the holidays, but especially so in the last two years, as it's been really hard to travel, to see friends and family. Lots of fun traditions have been canceled or postponed. Um, And I think I managed to convince myself that this winter wouldn't be difficult like last year because of vaccines and boosters and, you know, the better understanding that we have of COVID. Um, But I'm not so sure now. This Omicron variant is sort of making me think that we're in for another long stretch of staying home, not really feeling comfortable going out and about cancellations of games and concerts and things like that. And I hope I'm wrong. Um, 
but I'm sort of preparing myself for a chill January and I'm making a list of all the things that I always say I want to do or need to get done, but don't have time for like reading the endless stack of unread books that I keep adding to with new purchases, despite not making enough of a dent in at all. Uh, cleaning my closet and getting rid of a bunch of clothes, getting ideas, going for a bathroom renovation we want to do, doing a fun needlepoint that my friend gave me last year that I haven't gotten to, going through a stack of old magazines and either reading them or tossing them, finally starting to watch Succession. Um, and it's not the same as, as fun outings with friends or travel, but I think kind of picturing enjoyable and productive things like that ahead of time will help me when I arrive at those days if they happen um, to feel more like I get to do a project at home instead of feeling like I'm restricted or confined or wasting that time bemoaning the fact that things are weird again. Um, and hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully research will help us, you know, better understand the Omicron variant and, and, and you know, we'll get back to life. But for now, I'm, I'm going to just, you know, steal myself forward and, and dream of finally using that popsicle maker that I have or maybe lugging out the Cuisinart for a little gooey butter cake. Um, whatever it takes, right? I hope you guys um, have a great Christmas and find ways to see your friends and family safely. But first, we can't start celebrating Christmas before Festivus. Hey! Happy Festivus, everyone! <laughs> <laughs> this week's guests are some faves from sports and from this podcast, all here to celebrate Festivus. A new holiday was born! A Festivus for the rest of us! Just in case you're not a Seinfeld fan or you haven't heard of it, the holiday was originally created by author Daniel O'Keefe, who sort of invented it for his family, but it was made famous in a 97 Seinfeld episode written by O'Keefe's son. And the holiday occurs on December 23rd and includes a Festivus dinner, an unadorned aluminum Festivus pole instead of a tree, uh, practices like the airing of grievances and the feats of strength and the labeling of very easily explained events as festivist miracles. My favorite part is, of course, the airing of grievances, an opportunity to rant about the worst things in sports. The tradition of festivus begins with the airing of grievances. Let's start with SportsCenter anchor, Around the Horn panelist, spectacular singer, and all-around gem, Al Duncan, who's taken out NFL coaches like Aaron Donald does quarterbacks. I am so tired of coaches trying to get so cute with metaphors and analogies at these press conferences. Like, your team sucks. I don't need you to compare them to a flower and tell me that they need fertilizer or remind me that you're no horticulture expert. I don't care if your team will bite kneecaps and then stand up and bite earlobes too. Like, shut up. I understand it's sort of annoying to just have the same coach speak, right? Like, we've got to execute better. We've got to play better on both sides of the ball. The Bill Belichick approach, but good God, it's certainly better than coming up with some awful, awful explanation for what we already know. That your team's just not any good because they're not that talented. Okay, so just in case you need the source material for that incredible rant, uh, Lions head coach Dan Campbell is, of course, the kneecap biter. We're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down... We're going to get up, and on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up, and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're they going to be the last one standing. And Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni is the horticulturist. 
What's going on here is is that there's growth under the soil. I, I, I put a picture of a, a flower up, right, and that it's and it's coming through the ground, and the roots are growing out, and the roots and the roots are continuing to grow out. And everybody wants to see results. Shoot, we nobody wants to see results more than us, right? We want to see results too, but it's really important that that the the foundation is being built and that the the roots are growing out and the only way the roots grow out every single day and they grow stronger and they grow they grow better is if that we all put our we all water we all fertilize we all do our part yeah i got some fertilizer for that analogy man okay up next a good southern boy here to teach us all about nascar it's ryan mcgee co-host of marty and mcgee also an espn senior writer best known for college football and motorsports coverage Ryan McGee here of Marty and McGee, or quite frankly, any program that calls because they've run out of people to put on the air. Uh, quick correction for the world. Y'all know I cover motorsports, right? No one drives a NASCAR. They drive in NASCAR. NASCAR is the sanctioning body, the National Association of Stock Car Automobile Racing. Stock cars. That's what the racers drive. Call it a stock car, call it a race car, call it a Toyota, a Ford, a Chevy, Whatever you want to call it, it is not a NASCAR. That would be like saying someone throws a nice NFL or or someone uh, hits the fairway with their PGA. It makes no sense. So stop it before I put you in the wall with my NASCAR. See, it sounds stupid. We're learning things here. We're getting things off our chest. We're letting go of our grievances and we're learning something. I love it. Uh, moving on, it's New York Times bestselling author and Meadowlark media contributor Kate Fagan, formerly of ESPN and the Trifecta. I realized that 99% of our intellectual capital has been spent over the last 25 years on figuring out how to get people to stay on websites and apps for seven seconds longer. But I really do wish we would have diverted just a little bit of our intelligence towards solving the problem of bleachers. I don't understand how it is 2021 and we are still sitting and watching our nephews and our nieces and our young people play sports in what is, I think, the most uncomfortable situation that exists. Maybe it's just because I have a bad lower back, but there must be something ergonomically that we can figure out about bleachers. Right. You know, I never thought about that. And and I get the purpose of the, you know, the indoor ones that fold up or they slide on a track or wheels or whatever when they're in multi-purpose gyms. Um, and of course, I could never dog the Wrigley bleachers because I've had too many cold brews and tank top tans sitting in those buttes at Wrigley Field. But most of the time, there should be a more comfortable, more high-end seating situation for fans. I totally agree. Especially somewhere like Lambo. Like, you're a professional football team. Get some seats, would you? Okay. Okay, next up, it's Philly native and diehard Sixers fan, frontman for one of my favorite new bands, who I will be seeing at Red Rocks next summer. It's Mount Joy's Matt Quinn. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Matt Quinn from the band Mount Joy, and my current biggest gripe in sports is the NBA challenge system in which my Sixers get a challenge overturned in their favor only to have a jump ball at midcourt despite clearly possessing the ball. And, of course, we're going to lose that jump ball, and they're going to get the same amount of points anyways, and we're going to lose. What are we doing? Why? Okay, now that's a very specific grievance, Matt. But, honestly, props to you for doing a Sixers-focused complaint that was not about Ben Simmons. I truly don't know how that's possible. That's ignoring the elephant in the room. Except the elephant is a six foot eleven, 
like 240-pound disgruntled basketballer who's afraid of dunking. Sticking with hoops, one of my new fave ESPNers, Monica McNutt, former player, current analyst, chimes in with a very important message about replays. Let's talk about the review clock in all the sports, really, because it takes too freaking long. I'm ready for a clock for the review clock. If you can't figure it out in X, hold on, let me think this thing through. 90 seconds. I think that's where I'm at. I I can be persuaded on time. But I think if the four of y'all officials or three in some cases can't figure it out in 90 seconds, then obviously there's not enough to overturn it and let's move on. Part of the sports experience is the human experience, which unfortunately includes imperfections. And so sometimes refs might mess it up, but unless we're inside like, what, last two minutes of a ball game where it could be decision altering, and even if it could be decision altering, no, I take that back. If in 90 seconds there's not enough evidence to overturn it, then leave it and let's play ball. It's how sports are played. Yes, yes, yes. We got to do the replays because we have like 11 teen angles now and no one's happy if the refs get it wrong and we know better. But these replays are stealing my soul. I can feel my hair graying as I wait. Yes, Monica, take that grievance right to Adam Silver, girl. While we're on the hardwood, Let's go to friend of the show, radio host, entertainment reporter, and all-around five-tool player, Ben Lyons. He's back. And, of course, he managed to make his grievance about Carmelo Anthony, his favorite player, again. Hey, everyone. Ben Lyons here. Thanks to our good friend Sarah Spain for creating this safe space for us to air out our annual list of sports grievances. For the loyal listeners of this show, it will come as no surprise then that this year my grievance centers around the recent outpouring of love for the ninth greatest scorer in NBA history, three-time gold medalist, future first ballot Hall of Famer, and passionate fan of Nick Fouquet design hats, Carmelo Anthony. That's right. All of you now praising the creator of the What's in Your Glass weekly YouTube wine show and newsletter, you're on my list. Where have you been all these years? I saved the receipts. When nobody else came to the Knicks, this man did. And he won a scoring title with J.R. Smith shooting 29% from the field at Madison Square Garden on Sundays. He led them to their most amount of wins in two decades. Yet some people, including the host of this show and co-owner of the Chicago Red Stars, said he was washed, that he was done. Now here we are, eight years later, and everybody loves Mello. Tears were streaming down my face as I wept, listening to chants of Mello, 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 echo throughout the Crypto.com arena as highlights of him destroying the Bulls on Easter many moons ago played on the Jumbotron for the Lakers faithful. A fan base so spoiled, so jaded and entitled that they have no idea the greatness they get to witness every night. No, not LeBron, not Russ, not AD, but from the kid they called Little New York, who now has the most complex and intricate bench towel fashion game in the entire NBA. This man turns towels into capes and he made the league put hoodies on all their warm-ups. Carmelo is an inspiration, a living legend, and with every three to the dome after pulling up in transition, a reminder that Sarah Spain knows nothing about basketball. If you haven't loved and appreciated this man for the last 20 years, please don't pretend to now. That's my grievance. Stop liking my favorite player and go get your own. 
Happy Festivus, everyone, and shout out to Keon. He's better than Bronny was at that age. Huh, okay. A grievance that attacks the very host of this program. And an implication that I somehow now love Carmelo. First of all, I never didn't like him. I was just honest enough to say the truth, which is he prioritized individual comfort and money over winning it all, which is totally fine. But then let's not cry over how he's this great player who could never win it all. Okay, he made his choice. He'll still be remembered as a great shooter, very durable, long-tenured pro, beloved friend of many others in the league, general good dude that people like. But I don't feel sorry for him. And don't you worry, Ben, he's definitely not in my top 10 or 20 or 30, I could go on, favorite players. So I ain't coming for your boy. I'm firmly on Team Giannis, Team Demar, Team Levine. Hell, Benny the Bull is higher on my list. Okay, let's move on to someone who would never, ever come for the host of this program and who has just the appropriate take on those beloved Knicks that Ben Lyons digs so much. Or more specifically, that dump they play in that used to be something. Here's producer of Around the Horn, Josh Bard. Happy holidays and a very happy Festivus to everyone, except the people who think that Madison Square Garden is a massively important building. Ooh, it's the most famous arena in the world, people won't stop saying. Oh, it's the Mecca, we are incessantly reminded. God forbid New Yorkers not be able to claim they have the greatest anything in the world. Have any of you people ever even been to Madison Square Garden? Kevin Durant didn't want to play there. He chose Brooklyn. LeBron James didn't want to play there. He willingly went back to Comic Sans Cleveland. Even Michael Jordan thought the Wizards were a better option. People got excited last week because Steph broke the three-point record there. Oh, what a perfect setting. The same place where Nick's most famous fan got embarrassed by Reggie Miller's three-pointers, where Jordan had 55, Kobe had 61, and Alonzo Mourning used Nick's coach Jeff Van Gundy as a human leg mop. Field a bad enough team and there will always be opponents' highlights and milestones in your building. A really great business plan, guys. No, no, I haven't forgotten the Rangers and their 1994 Stanley Cup so inflated in nostalgia it covers up that it's their only one since World War II. Here's what MSG is. It's old. It's had a lot of work done to make it not look as old as it really is, and yet it still needs more work done. It's basically a real housewife, but without any of the gaudy rings. Ain't no grievance like an MSG grievance, because an MSG grievance don't stop. If people want to give Madison Square Garden awards for just existing, like some third grade soccer team, let's at least give them some awards they actually deserve. Congrats, Madison Square Garden. You're the most famous arena in the world that is built directly over an Amtrak station that smells like pee. Or, congrats, MSG. You are the greatest basketball court in the world that hangs a banner for Billy Joel concert sellouts. No one celebrates sellouts like you. And maybe, congrats, Madison Square Garden. You're the best place for finance bros to cosplay in a jersey and yell bing bong while checking their phones for updated crypto prices. Congrats, MSG. You're actually the worst. Standing ovation, dude. Seriously. Favorite grievance ever. A real housewife without any of the gaudy rings. Burn! No one celebrates sellouts like you. <laughs> you burnt. Okay, now truth be told, I 
still want to go to MSG because I've never been, which is wild. But that does not in any way change the fact that trotting out a tired old pile of bricks is some sort of draw for uber-rich 20-something NBA free agents who weren't even born the last time that joint was hopping. It's never been a compelling argument. Never. Thank you to all of these folks for their most excellent grievances. Well, everyone but you, Lions. No offense, but this holiday's a little out there. Speaking of great words. You're going to learn today. The word of the week is an everyday word with a beautiful etymology that I just learned. The word is astronaut. You know, space traveler. First used in 1880 as the name of a fictional spaceship by English writer Percy Gregg in Across the Zodiac. Really came around in 1929 in scientific speculation and then popularized from 1961 on by the U.S. space program. It's a compound from Greek elements from astro meaning star and Greek nauts meaning sailor from the root naw, N-A-U, meaning boat. So an astronaut is a star sailor. Isn't that gorgeous? Okay, in a sentence. While the word for the profession is poetic, a YouTube video of astronauts falling trying to walk on the moon is more comedic. It's a real video. Go watch it now. It's delightful. That's what she said. Back to the podcast. And what comes one day after Festivus? The night before Christmas. Every year, I toll away for hours remembering the year in sports in rhyme. It truly takes forever. And I need you to appreciate it. Here it is, my annual Night Before Christmas Ode to 2021. Twas the night before Christmas, 2021. The gifts were all wrapped and the carols all sung. All that remained was to put down in rhyme a year that was equal parts tough and sublime. We got back into stadiums thanks to vaccines, got on planes, went to concerts, squeezed back into our jeans. We still masked up and tested, ensured our compliance, but things felt more normal. Thank you, science. Pre-vax was all sourdough, puzzles and zooms, Tiger King verses and folks raiding rooms, scrolling pics on the gram in lieu of vacation, burnout, depression, the great resignation. But the shot got us thinking we might be okay. Our good times not canceled, just really delayed. And just like in life, things in sports might be strange. We'd have to adjust and be okay with change. A sure lockout in baseball, Coach K to retire. These new NIL deals, college athletes for hire. Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. Lionel Messi to PSG. Staples is suddenly crypto.com. And what the hell's chuggy? I feel like my mom, but I've gotten ahead of the story, I fear. Let's start at the top, the first of the year. The CFP semis, Bama beat Notre Dame in what was the Rose Bowl, but only by name. Cali's COVID restrictions engendered some friction and eventually led to a Rose Bowl eviction to Texas, Arlington to be specific. Bama's number one offense proved quite prolific. The Sugar Bowl next, Dabo taking on day. The Buckeyes prevailed, Justin Fields led the way. So the natty would be OSU in the tide. A future first rounder would QB each side. Devonte and Mack would combine for a ring. Seven titles for Saban, undisputed king. In the pros this year, 14 teams made the postseason, and yet somehow the Patriots still couldn't squeeze in. The Browns and the Bucks ended postseason droughts, while the 8-8 eight eight Bears should have sat this one out. They lost to the Saints, got majorly slimed, 
Trubisky's NVP, the first of its kind. Brady and the Bucks beat Dan Snyder's guys, the Ravens, the cause of the Titans' demise. Bills took a lead and held Indy off. Rams beat Seattle with the hobbled Goff. Steelers lost to the Browns, who had no head coach. Four picks for Big Ben. The end doth approach. In the next round, the Rams came up short in Green Bay. Bills beat the Ravens. Their D led the way. Goodbye to Drew Brees, who threw too many ducks in his very last game. The Saints lost to the Bucks. The Chiefs beat the Browns somehow, someway. Anything is possible, we learned that day. In a week, it was Buffalo season they ended. KC's reign as the best in the AFC extended. The Bucks beat the Packs despite three Brady picks. Their D down the stretch handled A.A. Ron's tricks. A field goal? The Packers fans must have been sick. Guy on Jeopardy later. Who wanted to kick? The Super Bowl set. The Chiefs were the faves. Mahomes can't be stopped, all the media raved. Let's not dwell on the KCO line that's in tatters. And COVID means home field advantage won't matter. But that small little crowd, mostly doctors and nurses, could probably hear all of Pat Mahomes' curses. The offense was stunted, protection a laugh, looked as lost as the weekend performing at half. So the Bucks got the win, the first winners at home. Like the Grinch's heart, so grew Tom Brady's big dome. More records, more rings, there's no doubt he's the GOAT. Got so drunk, threw the trophy off a marked boat. But the best of the bowl was the staff in the bay. Black, white, female, and male, young, old, straight, and gay. You might find that last line a bit trite or frustrating, but they proved it's a formula worth imitating. Speaking of that, remember March Madness? Sedona Prince TikToks inspired great sadness. The weight room, the meals, the swag bags, and more. Inequality far too pronounced to ignore. NCAA tried, but excuses were lame. Decades of misogyny had held back the game. Investment, respect, give these women their due. And for Pete's sake, let them use the phrase March Madness, too. On the court, ball was good, like it always is. Paige Becker's a star at hoops and in biz. But zone of the team who advanced when they met, Ari McDonald, certified triple threat. Stanford, the killer of the Gamecocks run, for Dawn Staley, a second semi beat by just one. It was Wildcats Cardinal to see which was greater. Stanford won, Tara tops all these years later. March Madness for when was a dizzying show. Upset here, upset there, look at Oral Roberts go. For the Zags be the Bruins, Jalen Suggs was the hero, hit the game-winning shot as the clock hit zero. Other semi saw Baylor beat Houston with ease, shot the lights out all night, drank 11 threes. In the final, twas Baylor who proved to be stronger. Bears won, Gonzaga unbeaten no longer. At the Masters, history, the first Asian winner. Matsuyama said sushi next year for champs dinner. At the PGA, Mickelson repped for old folks. Oldest ever major winner beat the field by two strokes. On the women's side, Jing Young Ko won five times, but all eyes were on Nellie Korda's meteoric rise. Number one in the world and gold at the games. All of a sudden, one of golf's biggest names. Ten players from Bama would go in the draft like quarterback Jones, to the Pats and R. Kraft. Lawrence went one, then Wilson and Lance. When the Bears got Jay Fields, I near peed my pants. In softball, the Sooners and Knowles hit the field. Giselle Juarez, a big OU victory, she sealed. The longest World Series by days and by games, after outcry from many and approved format change. At the French, no Osaka withdrew from the tourney, wanted to focus on her mental health journey. Novak and Barty were Wimbledon's best, Layla v. Emma in a U.S. Open quest. 
reassignments and rule changes, hockey was weird. But when playoffs arrived, the buzz reappeared. Montreal in the final after decades of tears, but the Lightning too good, champs in back-to-back years. In the NBA, Jokic was league MVP, and the Brooklyn Nets boasted the new big three. Knicks back in the playoffs, Grizz and Hawks made the trip. After 28 years, Suns were back in the chip. CP3 versus Giannis in the seven-game series. Giannis was open to all post-game queries. Talked ego, the present, the past, and humility. How your mindset predicts your in-game ability. That focus and attitude served him quite well. When they got down 0-2, he answered the bell. Four straight wins for the Bucks and the title to claim 50-burger for Giannis in the ring-clinching game. Then came the Olympics, a last-minute call. For a while, didn't know if there'd be games at all. But they pressed on and played, despite protests aplenty. And the whole time, the logos still said 2020. McLaughlin was epic, the A-team insane. Lamont the Italian? Yep, that was his name. Skateboarding three times three, surfing debuted. Alice and Felix, more medals accrued. 3 a.m. soccer through coffee and yawns. U.S. took home rose gold a.k.a. bronze. Ledecky still goat and Dressel was great. Women's hoops won again. Yeah, that's seven straight. The twisties hit Biles and upset her bid, but gold couldn't do what her honesty did. Like Osaka before her, Simone did what's right, calling out mental health, showing others a light. Suni Lee saw a chance and stepped up in her place, won the all-around, did it with style and with grace. At the Paras, McFadden and Long crushed their races, more medals to add to their stuffed trophy cases. In the W, quite a hot start for the Sun, UNESCO and Laney made the Liberty fun. Seattle looked strong, a Kamish Cup win. The Aces were among the league's best once again. At the end of it all, it was Mercury Sky. Parker brought a title to her hometown shy. A broken door, the outcome of an angry DT. Kalia F. and Copper won the MVP. To Major League Baseball, where tensions were brewing over CBA issues, both sides started stewing. But despite that, a season that needed to play. A new home would be found for Canada's Jays. The All-Star game moved. Coors Field got the nod. Cleveland announced a new name for its squad. Field of Dreams game a hit. Tim's walk-off a wow. Substances checks had some guys dropping trowel. Shohei was magic, Bryce was a star, Salvi and Vlad hit the ball really far. America cheered as Atlanta prevailed. Fair or not, they all wanted the Trashdros to fail. OT win for the spirit in the NWSL. Finals loss, Red Stars know it all too well. The only solution, a no bones day. The couch and Ted Lasso to chase pain away. A supersized season for football this year. More red zone, more tailgates, more wings, and more beer. And I guess in the case of Detroit's football team, a chance to be first to go 0-17? As the season rolled on, lots of teams in the hunt. Not you, Jags and Lions. Your whole year was a punt. Like a kick. Urban. You know what that looks like. Looks like kicking the kicker was your literal last strike. Who will make it to SoFi? Still too early to tell. Rams, Cowboys, and Carts have been playing quite well. I know Brady is balling, Mac Jones too. Roger's a big shot, would I lie to you? But the stars might be sidelined as COVID hits hard. Not enough testing, people let down their guard. In the NBA too, COVID lists start to grow. How many postponements, it's too soon to know. Games push back in hockey, it's hitting there too. Sports mirroring life, but we try to push through. In the meantime, we watch as Steph adds to his lore. The garden crowd roaring for 2974. 
LeBron and the Lakers, a scuffling start. The Bulls are back, baby, and playing with heart. No vax for Kyrie, not allowed in the gym. Made a global pandemic, somehow about him. He wasn't the only one facing bad press. The Tiger Woods crash aftermath was a mess. The non-dunk from Simmons, Kelly's LSU drawl, Bob Baffert's cheating, and horse racing, y'all. Bauer and Watson, Gruden and Ruggs, Shakari's star turn interrupted by drugs. Snyder, the focus of Washpo reporting. NFL, please explain why he's still worth supporting. There will always be bad guys who do bad guy things, who cheat and who lie in pursuit of a ring. But no matter how trying, when push comes to shove, we can't let the worst of us spoil what we love. Sports can inspire, good deeds they enable. Just look at Bill's mafia, but hide all your tables. The good will persist, of that I've no doubt. And on that happy note, let's close this thing out. CFP faves changed with each loss and win, with no sure thing Subsabin would somehow get in. So we'll close out the year with the Bulls, orange and cotton, grateful a group of five team finally got in. Yes, Cincy the team, hoping they can take down the squad that most recently put on the crown. Georgia intends to avoid a defeat to the khaki-clad man who escaped the hot seat. They'll usher us into a year that's brand new, and who knows what we'll get in 2022. Maybe we skip all the New Year's Eve cheer, throw a party in June if it's a half-decent year. I just want to be cautious. You just never know. To be fair, we're in a two-year-long total bleep show. But at least we've got boosters. That's a win. And it always feels hopeful when a new year begins. So I'll try to stay positive. I'll put on a smile, pour a shot of Malort, grab a can of Old Style. Yep, Chicago handshake for me. Milk and cookies for you. Merry Christmas, Santa. Bring on 22. That's what she said. Oh, yeah. One more thing. So this is a place for rants, raves, things to watch, read, see, just whatever I'm thinking about. And this week I was reminded of one of my favorite SNL sketches and one of my favorite Christmas tunes. Not parody, not ironically, just one of my favorite Christmas tunes ever. Christmas Time for the Jews. It's written by Robert Smigel and others, sung by the incredible Darlene Love. And if you haven't seen it, please pull it up online and watch it. It's so wonderful. And then you can dive in even deeper with the oral history of the sketch on Uproxx that includes Smigel and some of the other writers uh, written by Jason Tabriz if you want to find it. Don't forget, you can always tweet me at Sarah Spain if you've got guest suggestions, questions, or more. And you should always go to the iTunes or podcast app, subscribe or follow. That's what she said with Sarah Spain. Rate it five stars, please, and give it a review. Like Eric Solomita, who wrote, excellent podcast. Sorry about your Chicago Bears. I'm sorry too, Eric. (laughs) Happy Christmas, everybody. Thanks, as always, for lasting about an hour with me. That's what she said. 